0: Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and superfans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s.
1: This week we are discussing an attempt to tip the scales, the fourth episode of season three, which was written by our good old friend Stacey Rockheiser directed by janice cook and originally aired on the wb on october 26 2005 but uh stacy ruckheiser is an old friend of ours but janice cook is a new friend of ours caitlin let's talk a little bit about what she has accomplished nice taken from her wikipedia with a little bit of self-edited because believe it or not sometimes wikipedia is incorrect with some information so i did a little bit of an edit there That was really big of me to go above and beyond and do that work, I am just saying. (laughs) Clap for me, please.
0: Wow. Lots of research.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, she began her professional career as an associate producer on the series Fantasy Islands in 1980, followed by a number of other television producing credits in Blue Thunder, Our Family Honor, Werewolf, Hard Time on Planet Earth, Moon Over Miami, The Marshal, and any day now. Cook's directorial credits include Dawson's Creek, The Division, Summerlands, Charmed, Close to Home, Privileged, The x The Cleaner, 90210, One Tree Hill, which duh, that's what we're talking about, Cold Case, Gossip Girl, Bluff City Law, Station 19, How to Get Away with Murder, 4400, and Swagger. She has also participated in the production of the web series "Hollywood is Like High School with Money," so quite a few shows that you and I watch on there, which is pretty cool.
0: Oh man, yeah, Dawson's Creek. What what else do we have there? I kind of forget that <laughs> it was a long list. I can't even remember. <laughs>
1: um, did you you did watch Charmed? Did you? No, you did not watch no. Charmed. You watch Gossip Girl, right?
0: Part of it, and that show, I you said Summerland.
1: Yes. <laughs> you watched that show
0: that had lori laughlin and jesse mccartney Uh, (laughs) yes yes. i did i loved it
1: (laughs) i love that show as well
0: (laughs) i didn't know you watched it i loved
1: it so much (laughs) yeah that was like that was a gem back in like the early 2000s wb days and it got like
0: two seasons which sucked
1: two seasons and it got canceled yeah but yeah, that's the that was the show that introduced us to Jesse McCartney.
0: I've been wanting to rewatch that for years and it's like nowhere to be found.
1: Yeah, I was on the site doesn't stream anywhere. Shit, it should. It really, really should. Yeah. It also stars um a young Marin Dungy, who was on the show Alias, which I know you should watch. Let's make Brie Leach and Jess Caller happy <laughs> in regards to <of> that. <laughs> Plugged to a simple alias. <laughs>
0: so much pressure to watch so many shows, Jeremy. I can't. Yes. I
1: mean, you should make Buffy your first priority and that alias.
0: I'm trying, and I'm trying. And we will go
1: from there. But <laughs> anyway, Janice Cook is a fabulous, fabulous woman with a lot of credits. But speaking of fabulous women...
0: We are also joined by my best friend, Jenna Lensgold, and she is a third time guest on Always and Forever. Whoa! Very, very, very exciting. We had so much fun talking to her about the masquerade party and all of the drama that ensued because it's a good episode. It's a fun one
1: it's a great episode um i also got trolled a little bit because um both caitlin and jenna are obsessed with the second episode of season three and i am not and so i got got a little trolled in this episode so you'll get to hear a little bit of that here as well
0: (laughs) you really did and i loved every minute of it
1: (laughs) let's get into this episode
0: yes let's do it always and forever is spoiler free but stay tuned after the credits for a fully spoiled discussion
1: Somebody told me that this is a place where everything's better and everything's safe.
0: Everyone in Tree Hill prepares for the masquerade party at Trick. Lucas
1: tries on different costumes with Haley in order to figure out what Brooke would think is sexy.
0: Haley later finds out from Brooke that she apparently likes Tommy Lee, so Lucas decides that will be his costume.
1: Brooke is going as the devil and even creates her very own costume complete with feathers.
0: Peyton is going as the angel of death. With Brooke's
1: help, Haley is going as Sandy from Greece in order to get Nathan to want her again.
0: And Brooke tries to convince Nathan to go to the party to see Haley. While at the
1: masquerade,
0: Nathan is dressed as Batman, and when he sees Haley fall down, he scoops her up and takes her to sit down.
1: Nathan tells Haley that her costume doesn't really seem like her, and that a sexy makeover isn't going to fix them. Haley becomes embarrassed and runs away, visibly upset.
0: Brooke tells Lucas that she actually doesn't like Tommy Lee and that she tricked him.
1: Lucas dances with someone dressed as Pamela Anderson, and Brooke becomes jealous.
0: Fallout Boy performs, and Batman and Haley share an unexpected kiss.
1: In other news, Dan is angry that Mayor Mullins kept Whitey on his coach, so he decides to blackmail him into resigning or else he will release a damaging video with Mullins in a bed with drugs and sex workers. The other catch is that Mullins has to endorse Dan as a mayoral candidate.
0: Deb is forced to be a politician's wife when Dan postdates their divorce papers for two months.
1: Despite Dan, Deb buys a brand new wardrobe, throws his clothes out of the window, and tases him while he's in bed. Zan fights back by gluing Zeb's phone to her ear and using a blowhorn on the other end of the line.
0: After finding out from Peyton that Ellie has breast cancer, Larry convinces Peyton to get to know Ellie because she has time to do so, which is what she didn't have with her adopted mom who suddenly died. Peyton visits
1: Ellie and tells her she's worried about forgetting her mom and that she wants to believe that there's something she got from her, like her drawing ability.
0: Ellie assures Peyton that she did get things from her mom and claims that she can't draw.
1: But later, we see Ellie draw a beautiful portrait of Peyton in her Angel of Death costume.
0: Haley confronts Lucas about stealing money from the cafe cash register because Karen approached her about the missing money. Lucas confesses
1: to Haley that he has HCM and needs money for his medication.
0: Nathan meets up with Chris and asks him to help Haley with her music again. He says that he doesn't trust Chris, but he trusts Haley. They decide to keep this arrangement between them.
1: And then we see Chris with a Batman costume. Uh-oh. Who actually kissed Haley?
0: Dressing up as Sandy from Greece, I'm Caitlin Olenich. Added feathers to
1: my devil corsets, I'm Jeremy Rodriguez.
0: And getting whipped into
2: shape by my personal trainer, Hans, to perfect my candidate's <laughs> wife look, I'm Jenna Wenskold. And back
3: for round oh, three yes. Woo
2: <laughs> Round three, season three, here we go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so exciting. <laughs> oh my god, Jenna, that intro that intro is just iconic and like I just I I love this for you. Like Thank I would you. love for you to see you as a politician's wife. <laughs>
0: i yes. can't wait i <laughs> would I can't not wait to talk about that scene
2: <laughs> <laughs> so i would not like to be a politician's wife but deb and dan is they're my favorite part of this episode so i had to tie that yes, into absolutely. the intro
1: yeah be a politician's wife and the sense like you know, see all the money and everything but like you don't actually want to get involved in the politics aspect of it
2: you
0: know <laughs> I, yeah I feel that. yeah <laughs> You know, uh, Sandy from Greece is actually like my dream costume. <laughs> I'm not kidding. <laughs> I've
1: really?
3: never
0: done it, but I want to do it. <laughs> I, Caleb, I do told it. you. I loved Greece as a kid. Loved it. We I've both. I've watched did. that movie. That's one of the movies that I have seen the most out of any other movie. Like, it's my really? top five, probably. As a kid, okay. I watched it so much. We both loved it, Kate. We
2: would both watch it all the time. I love that movie, too
0: a lot of fun (laughs) and it's like kind of just the dream to just show up in full leather (laughs) and i don't know it's kind of badass
2: well it sounds like we need to have a party just so i can see kate in full leather
0: now Uh, yes (laughs) we need this to happen and no cigarette but i'll definitely have a fake one because that definitely (laughs) pulls the whole thing together
1: (laughs) caitlin i want this for you so badly now you have no idea (laughs) I really do too. This has to be a thing. Oh, oh, an always and forever uh, masquerade party. Hell yeah! Seriously,
0: let's do it. That'd be so much fun. Anybody
1: anybody who's interested, like, let us know. We will we will try to throw it together. Details coming soon.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's not make too many promises.
1: (laughs) Well, no, it's going to happen. Now that we put it out into the world, you better not cut this out later, Caitlin. I'm just saying. Manifest.
2: Manifest, (laughs) Jeremy
1: masquerade party we got this i wore my devil corset i'm just saying you know how they have those
0: like one tree hill events at trick for like concerts and things like they have Mm them with the um the actors and whatever they have it during the convention weekend or whatever but we need to do a masquerade party like why have they not done that
1: you're right This episode's kind of underrated in many ways, I will say that.
2: I forgot about this episode quite a bit, actually. And then I watched it a couple months ago, randomly, just kind of pulled up a random episode in season three and watched this one. And I texted Kate and I was like, oh my God, I forgot how good episode three or episode four is. There's so much that this episode sets up and not to get into spoiler territory, but there's a lot in here that keeps coming back throughout the season. And I think it's one of the reasons I just love this episode, and it's just entertaining the entire way through, too. Hell
1: oh, yeah. It's fantastic. And we get so many loops. That's I love so... it. But <laughs> before we head into the party, though, let's talk about the song this episode is titled after. It is titled after the song by Bright Eyes and it's to Tip the Scales. And what did everybody think of this eight-minute song?
2: <laughs> it's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was very strange. I didn't know what was happening. It's part song, and then most of it's an interview. It's like a fake interview, I think.
1: It, it is i have uh yeah i have some info about that so th- there's there's two parts of the song now uh, the interview and the song are two separate things and it was so funny i was doing some like research into like uh you know just reddit sub threads and whatnot and there are so many people who like oh my god i love this song but i can't put it on my spotify playlist because i don't want to listen to the interview at the end
2: yeah you would think that they'd have like a the full extended version and then like a shortened version where you don't have to listen to the interview portion because it's mostly interview. It's like five minutes Mm -hmm. of interview and then it's just three minutes of song and the song's fine. Like I enjoyed it too. And then it just goes super weird. So what did you actually find out about this song and this interview? Because I didn't do a deep dive in it. I'll be honest. I was just like, this is weird (laughs) next. (laughs) Yes. So the
1: interview at the end was supposed to be the band's frontman Connor Oberst, but th- that's what it's supposed to be. But it was actually somebody else impersonating him. It was uh, Todd Fink, who was the lead singer of a band called The Faints, and um, they interviewed uh, Connor Oberst, the actual guy, um, on a website called Kitty Magic. Which you had to look, you had to find it in the Wayback Machine. I don't think the website exists anymore. Uh, But anyway, the website asks, I always wanted to ask you, what is up with that weird interview thing near the end of Fevers and Mirrors? That's the title of the album for context. And then uh, Connor says, I guess I wanted to be funny and I wanted to break, (laughs) I wanted a break between the second to last song and the very last song because it's a way different mood. And then they responded, Whoa, you totally fooled me. But I guess to add it added to your whole tortured poet mystique of the time. And then Connor responds, It was a way to make fun of ourselves because the record is such a downer. I mean, that's one part of who I am. But I also like laughing and fucking around. So basically, the interview is a whole joke.
0: That's my impression that it was like <laughs> almost making fun of interviews in a way. Because yeah. the other person is interviewing the singer about the lyrics of the song and the album as a whole and different parts of it, like the windows and the mirrors we were talking about. And it just made it seem like they were kind of making fun of, like, interviews and, like, critiquing the songs in a way.
1: Yeah,
3: make themselves
0: sound
1: like a tortured artist of some sort.
0: But do you think the interview
2: actually connected to the song portion? I felt like they were totally different in itself.
1: I think they were supposed to be okay. actually, but but it's like weird. Like, why don't why not just make the interview a separate track? I, I thought that's that, that was an odd choice.
0: Yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't they have done that? Interesting. Yeah, I but don't you know. know what? We're not I don't know why they were
2: linked together. But who knows what was going on in their brains? The song yeah. portion itself, like we said, I thought the song was fine. Like it was kind of pretty. It was kind of like good tunes, all of that. But I also didn't really understand how the lyrics to that song connected to this episode in particular. And I know you guys talk about this quite a bit on the podcast, but they don't seem to go much deeper than just looking at the title of the song and connecting it with the episode. So, I don't know. Did you guys pick out any lyrics that you thought might have connected to this specific OTH episode?
0: No, I honestly had a really hard time (laughs) connecting it much to anything. I thought the
1: song was just very sad. It was like... There were a lot of suicide vibes. I felt like, but then at the end, I thought there was like a little bit of a hopeful message. The lyrics are, "Well, winter is going to end. I'm going to clean these veins again. So close to dying that I finally can start living." Which, again, it's. I feel like it's. It's a really dark undertone, but I feel like that last line, "So close to dying that I finally can start living," it just made me think that there is like a message of hope after all these characters have went through hell in recent episodes as well as the previous season, and I just think things are looking up a little bit.
2: Yeah, I could see that. That's a good point. But it's
1: also kind of reaching, <laughs> which I do a lot here with these lyrics.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was reaching a little bit with the title, too, because I looked up to get like a definition of what it means to tip the scales, and it's kind of trying to sway someone to a certain decision or a certain action. So in attempting to do that, it was kind of like these characters were trying to finally make another character do something. Like they were trying to make it the turning point in getting what they wanted. So whether it was Luke trying to be, dressing up in something that Brooke finds sexy to try to convince Brooke to be exclusive finally, or Haley trying to finally get Nathan to look at her a certain way again, or even Deb trying to finally get the divorce that she wants from Dan and trying to convince Dan that this is finally going to be the thing that does it and lets her be free. So that was the only connection I kind of made to the title of the song. But even that I think is a bit of a stretch.
1: I think it works, though, honestly. That's exactly what's going on. These characters are tipping the scales.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with everything you said, Jenna. And I think even especially with Haley and Nathan, like, they're almost, the scale is like, throughout this whole season, it's kind of going back and forth. (laughs) Not even in just this episode, but just the whole season so far. It's like, Nathan kind of gives Haley a little bit of hope. Then he says something about getting divorced. And it's like kind of kind of just going back and forth between different feelings that they're having and how they want to progress with a relationship. And now we have the mystery of this kiss, too, yeah. so.
2: That's such a good point. They've been on such a seesaw this entire season so far. And it's like, Haley gets a little, Nathan gets a little. Like, they're keeping back and forth. And Haley's just like, come on, like, just keep it in my favor. Like, love me again. Let's keep it on my side. So,
0: it's so tragic. I know I feel bad for Haley. I really do. I do too.
1: Same. But, uh, Dan was one of the characters who was tempted to tip the scales by blackmailing the current mayor. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about what's going on here.
0: So, my, I don't think I ever realized why he was blackmailing. I mean, he has several reasons. The one that he states is that he's upset with the mayor basically keeping Whitey as coach at the high school. Yeah. And I don't think I ever fully, like, paid attention to that little detail. <laughs> that it was that guy at the board meeting. Because it was that, that guy who was in the hotel room.
1: Yeah, I, I realized that, like, when we were watching the last episode. I'm like, oh, okay, this is why
0: Dan's bad. Got it. <laughs> so at the end of the previous episode, Dan gets... The police officer gives him some mysterious envelope. So this is what it is.
2: Yep. I made that connection, too. Oh, I did not make
1: that connection, but thank you for that. Because I was wondering that when we were watching. I'm like, what's in this envelope? Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, all the dirt on the mayor, apparently.
1: Because he's uh, he has some cocaine and he has some sex workers. The thing I find really funny about the whole thing with the sex workers is that like they don't seem to care that they're being videotaped like without their consent. Like, I just love how they're just like completely silent in
2: the whole entire thing. I know. Oh
0: I mean, no one
2: talks in that scene, isn't he? <laughs> isn't the mayor? Like gagged or something. Yeah, (laughs) when Dan walks in and he's like, "Okay, so do you want this to be stills or video? Oh, oh, or you could resign. Oh, and you can endorse me. Thanks. Bye." (laughs) That's basically (laughs) how it happens. (laughs)
1: Yep. One that I'm very curious about. I wonder what are Dan's political views. Actually, we know he's a sociopath. <laughs> but, like, but like does that always translate i mean it, it, yeah sociopathy does translate to politics absolutely yes <laughs>
2: but i am so glad you brought this up because anytime i rewatch the <laughs> episodes when dan is or is running for mayor i get such trump vibes i'm sorry but i do he's just that asshole candidate and i just Ooh, I see it in a whole new light now, and I i love the mayor storyline, but I also hate it with, like, a burning passion now, because I'm like, he is the narcissistic asshole that was Donald Trump, and I can't unsee it.
1: I feel that. I feel that, too. Don't worry, too. we're an anti-Trump podcast on here.
0: <laughs>
2: oh, so. right, if that's not clear by this episode.
0: <laughs> no. People have been hanging out with us in season three one so at this point we're in season three <laughs> you know if you're not
1: with this i'm I'm sorry you're finding out now we did have one listener who unfollowed us because of our we, we posted some anti-trump things and we were just like okay bye <laughs> <laughs> bye <laughs> that was back in like the early days of season one like and i think it was like 15 episodes in or something i'm like wait you're you're figuring this out now
0: we were also recording the first season during the whole reelection campaign. So
1: Yes. <laughs> I don't
0: even know.
1: It's so dumb. But seriously though, like I, I I still wonder though, like, yeah, he's a he's a narcissist, but like is he somebody who would vote against like would he have voted against Roe v. Wade? Like I wonder stuff like this.
0: I mean, yeah, they never say a political party affiliation yeah throughout this well well i guess we can say that. it's not really a spoiler there's no po- political party affiliation stated <laughs> yeah i think we're
1: good <laughs> yeah
0: but i don't know it's just something i'm wondering i don't know like if
1: i have the answer for it but I'm, i'd like to hear from our listeners like what do you think like who do you think uh, dan voted for in the 2016 election
2: they should respond with an elephant or a donkey in your social media <laughs>
1: Thank you, thank you, Chetta, Chetta. (laughs) (laughs) This is why you're one of my favorite guests. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, goodness. But otherwise, this whole entire storyline is hilarious. It's so
2: funny.
0: Well, it's not hilarious that he is cornering Deb and post-dating the divorce papers. That part is not funny, but everything that happens after is. <laughs> Can you imagine how frustrated you would be? Like, Deb just came back from rehab not long ago. And now he's doing all of this. He's pulling all of this and trapping her in marriage. That she's asked to leave for months. For a, over a year at this point, I think where we're where we're at in the timeline probably yeah, who knows what i mean timeline. whoever knows but a very very long time
2: <laughs> yeah i think so but the content it gives us can we <laughs>
0: just, <laughs> just
2: I talk i just had these... to
0: address the, the real part of it first <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: yeah i feel like i feel like deb is just in this situation where she's like she's just picking her battles and she's like okay fine i'll stay in the marriage for another two months fine whatever <laughs> just to get out of it and you know things are looking up in that regard it seems like she will get out of it but yes the content that happens
0: she first walks in <laughs> with a new wardrobe she's literally rolling in <laughs> a whole wardrobe of clothes and hands dan the check <laughs> <laughs> Amazing!
1: New campaign, new wardrobe. And she holds up her bags. It's so cute. I love it. I would do the exact same thing if I was in her shoes, though. I'm like, I am going to own this. I'm going to milk it for what it's worth. I'm going to get a few hot outfits out of this. Like, fine.
0: Hot <laughs> yeah, outfits, seriously. a hot body. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. What is Thanks. this personal trainer doing? <laughs>
1: I love how she's like really obnoxious with her modes. Like, oh, yes, yes. I love I'm how like, What th- kind of yoga is that? That was like definitely an I'll have what she's having type moment right there. Ooh. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I thought he was just stretching her, but it seemed like something else was maybe going on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, she was totally trying to just get Dan's attention, of course, because, you know, that's why Dan walked in. And, um,. We find out that that new gym that she has used to be Dan's bedroom, and then she threw all of his clothes out.
0: And then the sprinklers turned on, so she had to throw them all out. I guess she threw the mattress. Are are we assuming that she threw the mattress out the window, too? I would guess so,
1: yeah. I love that she just says, uh, the sprinklers came on by accident after I tossed everything out the window. That part was on purpose.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Barbara Allen Woods' delivery in that scene is just so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's
1: amazing. And then she tases him in bed after he um he goes completely commando <laughs> under the sheets. <laughs> Sweet dreams, Danny boy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he actually thought that he was going to sleep in that bed with her. <laughs> really?
1: I love really. that so, so much. And
0: Unbelievable. there's
1: one last prank that we'll, uh, that we'll get to later in Dakota. Um, anybody have anything else to say about this storyline, though?
2: Not really, just that it was incredibly entertaining. And <laughs> I hope we get more Deb and Dan, because as toxic as they are, they are really, really entertaining together.
1: Yeah, this is an enjoyable scene, to mm-hmm. say, an enjoyable storyline, Yeah, because... They're not being toxic, they're being like, they are being toxic still, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> they're just, it's like a different type of toxic, and I can get behind this.
0: And I feel like Barbara and Paul just have such good chemistry.
1: hmm I feel like I remember them saying in an interview that they really enjoyed filming these scenes, just the pranks and everything.
0: I think it was said on um, Drama Queens. Oh, yeah. I think one of them said that, that they enjoyed playing this part <laughs>
1: <laughs> why wouldn't you i feel like it's like lighthearted hearted fair too rather than like you know the normal like oh god this marriage is toxic type of thing i feel like this is like a different way to play it it's like it gives them both an excuse to have fun and i just really love it
0: i totally agree i know we don't get to see the fun side to deb and dan like we really haven't gotten <laughs> to see that yes until now <laughs> it's just been dark and deb has been trapped which she she still is but we get mm-hmm. some humor now.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah. Um I was gonna try to do a like a really awkward transition by talking about for he's a jolly good fellow. <laughs> and that's what I came up with. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> for he's a jolly good fellow.
1: <laughs> so that's it. what we're talking about right there is uh <clears throat> Brooke and Haley are in the living room together. Uh, Brooke is like, you know, working on a costume. And then Haley is like playing some guitar, and she's having some trouble like coming up with a tune, but she's she's playing a little tune. and then Brooke's like, "Okay, faster, faster. can you uh can you speed that up a little bit?" And then she speeds it up, and then Brooke's like, "For he's a jolly good
2: fellow." <laughs> <laughs>
1: so Haley was accidentally doing a cover of that birthday song.
2: <laughs> I do love the two of them rooming together, though. Oh, the Brooke so and Haley good. content, oh, I love it. I love the two of them together. I do love Brooke and Peyton's relationship, but I really love Haley and Brooke's relationship too. When they moved in together yeah. at the beginning of the season, I just, oh, it made my heart happy. Good content. It's an
0: underrated mm-hmm. relationship for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And I think there's a lot of humor there too. Like, mm-hmm. I think Brooke and Peyton have that humor, but like Haley and Brooke have it. In a different way. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: I love them. Haley is like critiquing uh, Brooke's like uh outfit choice and she's like, you know, the devil doesn't have sequins or feathers or breasts for that matter.
2: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, everyone keeps shitting on the fact that the devil has uh feathers. And Brooke's like you know, a why devil? Who cares? <laughs> uh, uh,
0: she can make her own uh, costume and it looks pretty pretty hot too.
2: I know.
1: Haley noted that, too. She was like, that looks really good, actually.
2: Yeah. Who knew Brooke could sew?
1: Yeah. It's nice to see her use her talents in different ways. I'd like to see more of that. I don't know. Yeah.
2: It's just ironic because she didn't know how to do any chores, but sewing is also like (laughs) a quote-unquote more domestic task, you could say, and she knows how to do that.
1: That is such a good point. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the season two, like she didn't know what a mop was. Yes. Like, and now she she knows how to sew, and you know, like you know what, good for her. <laughs> Did she just pick it up overnight? It was more natural than it was to mop. I don't know.
0: And so a costume that's like a really complicated thing. It's not like a pillow or something. It's, <laughs> it's literally this really detailed costume. So Brooke has some hidden talents apparently. Yeah.
1: I love it. I, I love to say this for her.
2: It's also
0: fun seeing her working on that
2: cl- at that clothing shop or the lingerie store, wherever she works. Suburban felt Suburban yeah. felt yes. I like that, too. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that's inspiring her to create her own costume or something. But it's fun to see Brooke in a job that she actually liked, you know? Where, mm-hmm. like, she needed a job, and she already spent all of her money there, so it just it logically made sense.
1: Yeah, and you see the manager, like, say, like, oh, is that that outfit one of ours, looking at the corset? And then Brooke, like, says, like, yeah, then what you want to do is you want to raise the leg here, and she just gives, like, all these, like, great ideas. So it's just nice to see Brooke good at something. You know, I mean, we saw her be good at things in season two, don't get me wrong, but it's nice to see her using her talents because, you know, I don't think we're going to be seeing her doing much of student council nowadays. Is that a spoiler to say? (laughs) That's... Her student council presidency is never really touched on ever again.
2: True.
1: Like, briefly, it's like a pass and then, like, oh, student council president broke Davis, but she doesn't do anything.
0: Yeah, that's wild. (laughs) (laughs) But that's, it was like such a big storyline for a hot second there, and then it just fizzled out.
1: So. Sorry to say, first-time viewers, if you were really looking forward to, like, you know, see Brooke, like, ascend the ladder in politics, um, it it does not happen.
2: (laughs) Hey, it gave her some leadership skills and some experience, so who knows? Maybe we'll see something come of that.
0: Yeah, who knows? Who knows? It helped her with her confidence. Yeah,
2: that's true.
1: For sure, for sure. I loved it. But you know the to abruptly change the subject entirely. I'm getting very good with these segues, aren't I? <laughs> Let's talk about what happens uh, between Lucas and Haley. Um, Lucas steals money from the cafe, and
0: Haley catches him. Yeah, and, and then Haley- Oh, sorry, you. Go, I Jen. think
2: we were going to say the same thing, Kate. How then? Karen asks Haley, and Haley says, "Oh yeah." I took it because she's covering for Lucas, so that just speaks to their close friendship, but also makes you wonder, you know what was Haley thinking was did she have ideas on why Lucas was taking the money?
1: Yeah, I don't know about her thoughts right then and there, but I think maybe uh Haley is probably confident enough in her relationship with Lucas to think like he's stealing this money for a reason. It has to be a good reason because that's my best friends. I'm not gonna judge my best friends. And I kind of like that she was willing to give him a little bit of space in regard to that.
2: That's true. She really came at the situation with very little judgment. She didn't come out guns a-blazing, like, why did you take this money? What's going on? she just approached it from, like, like a very calm demeanor and asked him what was up.
1: And I feel like this episode is, like is really interesting that it actually really uh, it really portrays uh, Haley and Lucas's relationship as well. Uh, Because you see at the beginning with that really cute costume montage, so you see them having fun, and you see a balance with some of the more serious stuff as well. So, this is a pretty good episode to really illustrate their relationship. And I like that Haley is the first person to find out that Lucas has HCM as well.
0: I know. I I like that too. I agree that Haley didn't seem to judge. Like, she didn't even say anything to Lucas until Karen approached her about it. So it was almost mm-hmm. like she trusted that he was doing it for a good reason.
1: Yeah, she her, her, her immediate instinct was to cover for him, you know.
0: And then, obviously, she was super understanding when he revealed the HCM stuff and, like, the fact that he had to pay for medication. Mm-hmm. H- Haley's like a safe space, I think. Just in general. Like, I feel like you can go to Haley and tell her. Like, she'd be a good friend to, like, tell a secret to. Or she just has this understanding. She has that way about her.
2: Yeah.
1: I I would tell my secrets to Haley, for sure.
2: Yeah, I do love that quote that we'll probably talk about this in a bit. But when Brooke and Haley are talking at the end and Haley's like, be careful with his heart. It's more fragile than you think. Oh, Oh. it just gets me right in the feels. It's so good. I know, but she's really looking out for her best friend.
1: She is. Um, There are two things I want to talk about in the scene where Lucas um, steals money from the cash register, though, and one of them is name brand orange soda. Check.
0: (laughs) Er, er, er." (laughs) Was it really in the in the cafe?
1: Yup. You see the soda fountain. I, oh, didn't I didn't notice in it. the
0: cafe. I spotted it three times at Trick.
1: You spotted it three times at Trick? Okay, I saw it once at Trick. What were the other three, two times?
0: So one was on the bar. It was kind of, you could ha- partially see <laughs> <laughs> Oh,
1: Caitlin. Caitlin. I'm ble- bleeping that out. That's getting bleeped out. <laughs> yeah, you really should. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you could partially see it. Sitting on the bar when Peyton and Mouth were talking. Then I also saw it. It was behind the bar. It was a sign. I guess it was where the fountain was, too. And then the third okay. time, someone was holding a can in the crowd during one of the performances.
1: Oh, seriously? Yep. Was it, like, blatant, like, holding the can out? Be like, hey, look at what I am drinking.
0: Yeah, I think it was pretty blatant. <laughs> So that's four sightings in one episode?
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> They're
1: getting their money's worth. What can oh I Oh my say? god. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about has nothing to do with orange soda, but um, I noticed in that same scene where Lucas is stealing money from the cash register, and you see the counter. Did you see what was written along the side of the counter? No. It says the words, and I quote, where everything's better and everything's safe. Just those words. Really? Not the entire quote, but just those words.
0: Oh my God. We need to screenshot this. (laughs) What? I need a timestamp. I'll send it to you. Yeah. (laughs) It's, It's wild. I've never noticed
2: that. Same. I'm, like, mind-blown right now. I really didn't think it came in until many seasons later.
1: Yeah. The, like I said, the entire quote is not there. It's just that part of the quote. And I don't know if we ever see the full part of the quote until later on, to keep it vague. Yeah. <laughs> but,
2: wow. but, yes, those were. Oh, I love that. I have that quote. Good eye, Jeremy. I have that quote Good right eye. there. Thanks, Kate. Oh, really? <laughs> 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 yeah. That was her wedding gift.
3: <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
2: It is. I love that quote. Oh That's so cute. Oh, I, yeah. I actually wanted to say one thing about the trick scene, too. So, Caitlin, yeah. you'll probably get this more than Jeremy because you also watched the OC, but the comment that um, they made, yes. I think it was yes. Luke, I- and it's like, oh, yeah, something Brooke picked up in the OC over the summer. I, yeah, I laughed.
1: I, I picked that up on that. That was a direct,
2: a direct <laughs> dig.
0: I, I actually wrote wrote it down. He says, what is this? Some California thing Brooke picked up in the OC? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so much shade there, and uh-huh. <laughs> I am living for it. <laughs> Still need to watch the OC <laughs> eventually. But it's... It's yeah, I'm good. surprised you never watched it. Oh, no. It's just one of those shows that's just always been in the background. Who knows? It's only four seasons, right?
2: Yeah, that's the thing. It's good, but it's not as good as One Tree Hill. And One Tree Hill was on for over double the number of seasons.
0: Yes. So <laughs>
2: I think they win.
0: Okay, cool. And the last season of the OC is not good. So, really, it's three seasons oh, of good TV. <laughs> goody.
1: Well, I mean, I already know, like, the big thing that happens at the end of season three.
0: Yeah. I don't know how you couldn't.
1: Yeah, because that was everywhere. I won't, I won't spoil it for people who haven't watched it. If you, for whatever reason, don't know what it is, if you don't, good for you. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> but anyway, let's talk a little bit about like the thing that uh, Brooke uh, allegedly picked up in the OC I gotta say, Chad looks great as Tommy Lee. He did without the wig. Without the wig. Yeah, I agree.
2: Yeah. The <laughs> so open so like best.
1: That was nice. That was hot. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm into it. And you know, Brooke had to shave him. Like he's like forty and looks like that. And I'm like, I mean, if you're younger and look like that and you're covered with tattoos, you're gonna look like that when you're forty as well. And does does Brooke realize that? (laughs) (laughs) She's
0: also what like seventeen. So (laughs) yes, (laughs) forty seems really, really old. which is sad that's what
1: we that's what we thought back then at the very least and now here we are
0: yeah so i don't like that brooke it was like a trick yeah well i don't know why did she have this whole emotional manipulation thing so i don't like that spin on things like she told Haley, she gave Haley the clue in order to trick lucas into dressing up as tommy lee i don't know what was the point of that just to play games.
2: I know. I think it was just playing games. And I hate the game playing of dating. That's I don't know. Like, just be straight with people. Just communicate. I don't know. I think it's getting a little bit old how Brooke is still, like, teasing Lucas and dragging him along. At some point, I mean, he's going to get tired of that. And we see that in this episode because uh, he meets a sexy lady in red. That's not Brooke. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pamela Anderson <laughs> yeah this uh this lady who dresses up as Pamela Anderson and I'm into this character like I'm, I'm sure you know it's just a one off type of deal um you know we'll never see her again but I like her in this little episode
0: oh she is uh stirring the pot she's entertaining mm-hmm. and I find it interesting that Pamela Anderson is in red just like Brooke is So it's like this competition. Oh, Mm -hmm. I wasn't even. Oh, I didn't even put two and two together
1: in regard to that. That's interesting. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I just assumed it because it was like that. Like that dress is a is an iconic Pamela Anderson look. So I was like, oh, that's what she's going for. But oh, that's cool. That's clever. Wow. I like how she comes to him though, and she's like, "I hear we got back together." I like that too. Tommy Lee, Pam Anderson. It was just, it was just <laughs> cute because I feel like this is like back in that era when, like, you know, Pamela and Tommy Lee when they were together and not together, and it was like a whole. Entire thing,
0: or they had a so. good night in Vegas, at least, or something. Yeah,
1: Whatever
3: thing, she yeah. said.
1: <laughs> I don't know what was actually going on this time. But I remember like watching this episode in real time and thinking, like, oh yeah, this was a thing that Pamela and Tommy Lee were going through.
2: Yeah, she's got some moves too on the dance floor. <laughs> She is uh, grinding
1: it up. Jenna, you said boobs. I thought you said boobs. No. I, was, I was like, yeah, yeah, she's got some boobs. Yes.
2: Amazing. Well, she has nice boobs too, but no, her dance moves.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, you know, very like sexy and sultry. Very very uh Pamela Anderson and yeah, I um I liked it.
2: I was into it.
1: Brooke didn't like it. <laughs> yeah, she did not. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you can see it's. I mean, it, it's the Neil Ackles. Uh, that's the actress playing this uh, one off episode role.
2: And I like the Neil
1: Ackles. I think she's a very talented actress. Um, you know, I've seen her in uh, other things.
2: I was going to ask do you know if she's been in other television shows or movies? I don't know much about her.
1: So. It's so funny, like, as soon as she said that, like, my mind immediately went to this. Um, she was on a show that only lasted for one season, and I fucking love the show. Um, it was called uh, Friends with Benefits. It was not based on the Mila just yeah. Justin Timberlake movie, but it came out around the same time. Um, but it was her and Ryan Hansen, who are best friends, and they just happen to sleep together every now and then. It was like a comedy soap opera type thing. Hmm. Um, Ryan
0: Hansen? Really?
1: Yeah, Ryan Hansen. hmm Oh, interesting. It's a pretty good show. I don't know if you can stream it anywhere. I have no idea. But, like, my mind immediately went there. But I'm sure she's been in other things since then.
0: Yeah, I'm not really sure of her.
1: She's appeared on a few episodes of Supernatural because, Uh. she's married to Jensen Ackles. But, yes. Hmm.
2: Interesting. Yeah. I like her. That was a really entertaining part of the masquerade party in general, though. That and then Peyton's dance with mouth it was so cute yes <laughs> i know i love this
1: <laughs> that was just a nice like a fun moment again the th- this episode is just a fun way to cut loose yeah for sure
2: i have to say the dance was very random like i don't think it really fit the song choice was very weird but like it's also <laughs> really cute and entertaining it was and it's one of the things i really remember <laughs> from this episode so it did mm. something i don't think yeah, the song that's... choice is
0: weird it's like a you classic don't. song At like a
2: teenage party,
0: though. Yeah. Well, it's because
1: it's disco, and you know their mouth is dressed up in like a disco look. (laughs) I don't
2: know. That's true.
0: I guess. Yeah. I don't. I mean, this was also two (laughs) thousand five, (laughs) so what feels like an Uh, old song wasn't as old then. But.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say, I'm pretty sure that song. Did that song play in any of our school dances? Like, as like a throwback or anything? I
0: don't know. That's a oh, good Oh, maybe.
1: I definitely heard that song at like, a few like random dance parties here and there.
2: Yeah. Did you guys listen to Peyton's actual like podcast episodes that they talked about on Drama Queens? I did. Because she talks about disco in the episode that's like kind of connected to this episode. Did you guys pick up on that?
1: Yeah, what did she, what did she say again We're, from refresh my memory?
2: I literally just listened to it like an hour ago, and now I can't remember. <laughs> um... <laughs> About how, like, disco was just a way to, like, let loose and have fun, even though, like, the people who were performing the music were kind of dealing with things, and... Yes! Yeah. Mm.
1: I remember. Oh, so that's... Yeah, you're right, that's kind of, like, a cool little... I, I didn't even think to, like, dissect it when I heard the episode, but that's a cool little way to throw back a little bit. Yeah, to... it...
2: I think it brought a little bit more like, purpose to why that song was included and why they did that. Like, it, it put me into the brains of, like, the writers and the people who created the episode. I'm like, oh, this is
0: what they were going for with inserting a disco song.
1: Yeah, that's clever.
0: Yeah, that, that's interesting how it relates to the characters.
1: Yeah, I think about it. everybody's watching them, they're all cheering them on, you know, it's, I feel like everybody's getting healed a little bit.
0: Yeah, and everything that Peyton is going through internally right now, this was a good moment. With mouth to let loose. I loved it. We didn't even talk about Peyton's costume. Angel oh Death. Why is it not? It's fantastic. Angel
1: Death. <laughs> it's, it's, this, this is my favorite look, I think, of the episode. I think it is my yeah. favorite one, too, actually. Mm-hmm. Agree.
0: It just suits her so
1: well. You know, I made a joke saying, like, you know, like, I'll like I'll wear the double corset. I feel like I would wear this outfit, actually. I feel like this will be, like, more fitted into my aesthetic.
2: Mmm, interesting.
1: Yeah, so the always and forever masquerade party that we have planned sometime in the next 10 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've already established. I would, I would be Sandy. (laughs) Yeah. You've already put that out there, Caitlin. You got to tell (laughs) it. So Jenna, you can be the devil. I'll be the
2: devil. I will definitely be the devil. You
0: you can rock that. (laughs) (laughs) It's
2: a very Jenna outfit.
0: Uh huh. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, my God. We could be Brooke and Peyton, Jenna. That's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, let's talk about the other big thing that happens at the masquerade party. We have uh, Caitlin, I I mean, (laughs) Haley, slash Sandy, uh, with Nathan slash Batman. Ooh. Very sexy.
0: I love. So, first off, Brooke was the one who tried to convince. Nathan to come to the masquerade to begin with. Mm -hmm. And then he ends up coming and he doesn't even tell Haley that he's going to be there. I mean, maybe, I guess she knew that he was going to be, maybe from Brooke. I don't know. But she doesn't even know what his costume is. So she's wandering around (laughs) trying to figure that out. I'm like, this is awful. (laughs) (laughs) This this is really playing games.
1: Yeah. I (sighs) also want to note, too, that uh, in that scene where Brooke uh, points out to Nathan or Brooke tells Nathan that, you know, she hasn't written a song since the two of you split up. So that's how like Nathan gets that information, which will become relevant a little bit later on.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get to that later.
1: Now uh did you watch the deleted scene for this episode?
0: I did. It was the scene with Nathan and Peyton, right?
1: Yes. And uh Nathan is uh telling Peyton that like, oh, he's happy sometimes now that Haley is in town. And it's just a feeling he can't turn off. Hmm. I thought that was a nice little dose of positivity right there, saying that, like, Nathan is actually a little bit happy that Haley's in town, even though she did break his heart. But he does have a little bit of happiness just from seeing her. Um, but apparently this scene was caught because Nathan was too creepy.
2: Hmm. That's interesting. I did, <laughs> I did not watch it, but now I'm curious. I do have the DVDs somewhere, so I might go watch it later. This is
1: the creator saying that, like, oh, I thought Nathan was a little too creepy, and I'm like, I don't think you're a good judge of what is and isn't creepy, sir, but... Good
0: point! <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, seriously. <laughs>
1: but I launched that scene, I'm like, this is a nice scene, it's not creepy to me at all.
0: It actually gives us a little bit more insight into what Nathan is feeling. Like, he's admitting to Peyton that he enjoys seeing Haley around, but it's kind of hard at the same time to let things go like you know he's conflicted he doesn't really know what to do next but like he's feeling he's feeling two things at once like he's happy to see Haley, but at the same time he feels like he has to let go of her and he's not sure what to do so that's the impression i got from the scene
1: Yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. I liked it. It's one of those, one of the greatest illustrations that we always put out on this podcast. Uh, Two things can be true.
0: Yeah. Uh, Back to the trick scene, though. I want to talk about the Haley and Nathan scene when, well, Haley falls down and she's on the floor. And then Nathan comes, picks her up, and then takes her to sit down. And then they start to have this interesting conversation where Nathan tells her, That the costume she's wearing, which this was, he didn't really approach this too well. He tells her the costume really isn't her. Like, how is that going to make you feel? You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like he wasn't too sensitive in that moment. Yeah, he says that a
1: sexy makeover is a god to fix their relationship.
0: And then he continues and says that. So,
1: Mm -hmm.
3: like,
0: I agree the costume isn't Haley. It isn't. Mm -hmm. But it also is a masquerade so you can do whatever you want to do. And I I don't know really what, like, I almost wish she didn't say that to her, because it is a bit hurtful.
1: Yeah, I agree. But I like that Haley comes to a realization, she says, and I quote, I'm just Haley, and that should be enough. And I think that's a really great message to portray. And while we're on this topic, and after the two of you said that you loved Greece, I would love to hear a defense of Greece <laughs> because... <laughs> I saw the movie for the first time actually three years ago.
0: Oh my God.
1: <laughs> uh, yes. and um, I'm sorry to say I was not a fan. <laughs> really <laughs> Really and and I think it's because like I didn't really like the message that they were portraying, how Sandy had to like change herself for a man and is that the purpose of the movie because i've heard like various critiques of it like throughout i would like to hear the two of you defend it or say like yeah that part was wrong or whatever i'm just curious (laughs) i
2: think if you look at it from a surface level it's very entertaining the music is catchy and it's like fun to watch kind of like the bachelor or some like mindless television You know, like, if you're not actually looking at it from a deep meaning and trying to critique it, then it's entertaining and fun. But, yeah, I completely agree with you. The message is screwed up, especially in today's day and age. Obviously, it's an old movie, so, like, yes, as we all see with pop culture, things change over time. But, yeah, if you look at it from surface level, it's entertaining. If you go deeper than that, it's kind of screwed up.
1: Yeah. I'm like, the songs were good. I thought the songs were okay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I agree with Jenna. I mean, you could definitely critique the heck out of that movie from today's perspective.
1: But was that message ever okay? Like, even in the 70s when the movie came out? Like, the whole thing about how she changed herself? I don't think
0: that was really a conversation that was being had at that time. No, I really don't.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess so.
0: And she changed herself at the end... I don't know. I guess You're I'd
1: talking have about to- Sandy. You are not about the actual Sandy, right? Not the not Haley Sandy. Yeah, I am
0: talking about the actual Sandy.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: She
0: changes herself <laughs> at the end, and the way I kind of see it's like she's not like permanently changing herself. It's kind of like this moment of. I don't know. It's an iconic moment. I don't even know if I can critique it. Like, I get that there's an issue with it, but like, it's iconic. Sandy coming out in the leather with a cigarette and like, and then they're dancing in the Amusa Park ride. Like, it's,
1: I don't know. Unless, like, you know, this is her way of finding herself, like, you know, like, th- th- does she end up finding herself at the end and realize, like, you know what, I am actually a sexy, leather-clad, cigarette-smoking babe? Like, does she figure that out with her- with herself? Because I could subscribe to that message. I'm like, you know what, you own that. You own that with your bad self, Sandy.
0: So I feel like I agree with what Jenna said. I feel like there's maybe a little bit of empowerment there. I don't know. Would you agree with that, Jenna? Eh,
2: Maybe. I don't know. I honestly, I've never looked at it from a deep level because I know <laughs> it's screwed like, up. It's pure entertainment to me. That's all it is. And isn't there a scene at the end where he, Danny, wears like the, like the varsity jacket or something like to kind of show like he's trying to be more like school boy, like, he kind of dressed a little bit different. And then she just went all out wow. and changed herself too. But
1: so like she changed for him but he also changed for her yeah like change for each other okay i don't know that's a great way maybe i need a rewatch of grease then (laughs) it's just fun
2: it's just a fun movie
0: yeah there's a lot of good lines in that movie too (laughs) there's there's a lot of good ones (laughs) yeah i'm sorry i don't have a deep analysis for you
1: it's okay you know there's tv series in the works right
0: is there? Sure. Oh, boy. Yeah. Really? A
1: Paramount Plus. It's called uh, Grease of Rise of the Pink Ladies.
0: Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Well, Olivia Newton-John is the only Sandy that I accept, so.
1: Yeah. I don't think this is going to be based on those characters. Mm. I think it's going to be a new set of characters. Same time period, like the what mm. whatever time period Grease was.
0: <laughs> hmm.
2: That is interesting.
0: I don't know. I feel like the ending Sandy scene, just one last comment. <laughs>
1: It, <laughs> Go it's ahead, kind this of, is our Grease podcast it, I turned this into a <laughs> podcast enough times, Caitlin So feel free to make this into a Grease podcast, it's okay
0: <laughs> I kind of see it, like, you can see it one way But I kind of see that final scene as, like, a moment of, here I am This, this is me Okay that, That's kind of how I see it, too That's not who she's going to be every day But in this moment, like, here I am
1: Oh, but I want her to be this every day. Like, no, okay. I, I, I don't know. I gotta, I gotta rewatch it. I, I gotta figure it out. I gotta see if this is an empowering moment for Sandy, okay?
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, you make a good point, Caitlin, because you guys always say on the podcast, like, people are complicated. They have many sides to themselves. And, like, this is just one side of who she can be. It's not who she always is, but she can embrace this if she wants to. All right.
1: All right. This has layers. <laughs> I think it does a little bit. I have space for this. Okay, I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> Next episode of Baker Soundstage, we will be discussing the hit film Greece.
2: Oh, that would be fun. That
1: actually would be fun. <laughs> we'll say. We'll, well, you know, we'll we'll think about it. Listeners, if you want this,
0: <laughs> let us know. <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Anyway, I think we talked enough yes. about Greece, Jeremy. <laughs> We're moving on. <laughs> All right, we have to talk about the kiss.
2: Yeah, Because
0: Fall Out Boy, first off, actually, Fall Out Boy.
2: Fall Down Boy.
1: Fall. Yes, I was about to say, get it right, Kaelin, it is Fall Down Boy. Can I get Can a whoop whoop? <laughs> Speaking of what, I gotta say, Karen, I feel like would be such a popular uh, person on TikTok. Could you just imagine, like, you know, middle. Ugh, it, it sucks to call her middle age because, you know, she's coded as middle age. <laughs> but she's not middle age. She's like 35, okay? <laughs> um, but, like, could you just imagine, like, a middle aged lady dressed up in a cop outfit, just saying things in TikTok, like, hello, fellow kids. Can I get a whoop whoop? <laughs>
0: god you're right she would
1: go viral instantly
0: <laughs> <laughs> she's very awkward but you need to get the band's name right when you're announcing them karen also i know see, like
1: honestly it's kind of unprofessional but i loved it it was hilarious it was hilarious
2: oh and so, oh boy i got so excited when they came yes. on they're just so so iconic of that time oh my gosh so that's a big deal that they went on that show. Were they big before coming on One Tree Hill? Or do we know if, like, One... Or, yeah, did One Tree Hill, like, spark their rise to fame? Does anyone know that?
1: Kaelin, you know this better than I, do.
0: So, I, I don't really know. I know the album came out from Under the Cork Tree, which yeah. is where Dance Dance is... That's the album it's on. That is when this was airing. I feel like it was all happening at the same time. And they only had... One album prior to that that came out in two thousand three, yeah. "Take This to Your Grave," which is another fantastic album, by the way. So I, I really don't know how popular their first album was.
1: Yeah, just like you said, the, yeah, the first album, "Take This to Your Grave," came out in two thousand three, and this album from Under the Cork Tree came out May third, two thousand five, according to Wikipedia. So this is like a few months before the season aired.
2: Okay,
0: okay, so this yeah, you know, this is airing in October. Mm -hmm. And it was probably filmed over the summer
2: But if I'm remembering this correctly Wasn't Sugar We're Going Down their first big hit from the album And then came Dance Dance So like That's how I remember Did they like debut it on One Tree Hill maybe? Or like
1: Dance Dance, yes, was released on October 17th, 2005
0: Ah, that's what it was Because Sugar We're Going Down plays Um. in 302 so that was already out. It does, mm-hmm. yes.
2: The the bonfire episode.
0: So this
1: episode pretty much aired like a week after Dance Dance was released as a single. Oh, so,
2: look at that. Okay.
1: So I imagine they were probably like, uh, they probably like had a deal with like, with the WB or whatever. Yes. Like, hey, can we, uh can we play this song? It's going to be a week after it comes out. That's when it's going to air. So they probably did some type of cross promotion then.
0: And That's that makes right. sense because it's the only song they play, which I wish they played more, but I know it, it's the only one they play. So, yeah, it was the single to highlight at the time. I wonder if we'll hear
2: more Fall Out Boy on the show. I mean, we've already heard them featured, and now they're actually in the episode. So maybe they had like a deal with them or something. I don't know. But I love Fall Out Boy. I love when they play during episode two, which jeremy you have to love that episode more than you do caitlin and i discussed this caitlin and i are obsessed with that episode i was so sad i was so sad i could not come on that episode but we love that the door scene is one of our favorite scenes in like the entire show the fact that the door scene's
1: great i love the door scene i love that scene
0: (laughs) Jeremy, I told Jenna that you didn't like it that much, and we were like, "Oh, I was like, damn, this episode hasn't even
1: been released yet as of this recorded. Like, what the hell?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Kaelin is like, here, Jenna, you gotta hear the raw audio for this. No. This is the unedited shit.
2: <laughs> How can that not be a five out of five? You have Sugar, we're going down, move along, plays, so many bangers, the bonfire mm-hmm. just, like, sets the tone. Ah, oh, I love that episode.
1: I think I gave it a three. I gave it a three out of five. I seven. know. And, like, if I... And, and if I allowed, like, you know, half scores or whatever, it would have been, like, a 3.9. Because I'll admit, like, hearing Caitlin talking about it, it made me like it a little bit more. And I'm like, okay, I appreciate this episode.
2: It's okay. The ladies also loved it on Drama Queens, so Caitlin and I got a <laughs> again. <stayed, I guess. laughs>
1: we were validating. Okay. Well, I'm just saying, like, I happen to say a few things about episodes of this show before the Drama Queen's even released. So I'm also, like, you know... It's sync with the drama queens. Yeah.
2: There there were a couple of things at the end of season two and I would listen to it and then text Caitlin. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, Jeremy is a mind reader or they're listening to your episodes.
1: <laughs> Could you imagine like that would be like the biggest thing in the world, like they just we just find out like, oh we listen to this podcast God Always and Forever. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, screw I'm sure they're not listening to us at all. But but if you are, um Hillary, Sophia, and Joy come on the pod. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jeremy's analyses are on point. That's for sure.
1: We're 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 in sync, you know. Just you know, have us on. We'll come on your show. You can come on ours. It'll be it'll be great. Anyway. I'm gonna manifest that. Anyway, I love it. <laughs>
0: All right, back on track because we just had another yes. tangent. So Fallout Boy is amazing. We love them. Oh my gosh. And then at the very end of <laughs> Dance Dance, Sandy and Batman kiss.
1: Mm hmm. And we notice we don't really see, like, the per, you know, when when we see Nathan dressed as Batman talking to Peyton, we see his jawline. Like, we definitely know, like, yeah, that's Nathan.
2: This one's kept a little bit vague. I mean, Haley thinks it's Nathan, though. She's like, Nathan, kiss me. I'm on cloud um, nine. This is yes. amazing.
1: So, did sound like they're good in regard to that.
0: We'll see. Yeah, Haley's really happy. Because she goes right home and she's, like, basking in the joy of it, basically. <laughs>
1: Now I don't remember. That's a it's a get on the on batman tangent for for a second here. Um, on Drama queens, weren't they trying to fi- figure out like that costume, like which movie version it was? Did they ever figure that out? I think they texted James, but James never responded. Right?
0: Yeah, they never said where it came from. I was interested too.
1: Yeah. I'm just saying it can't be George Clooney's because you don't see any nipples. George Clooney's version of the bat suit has nipples. Oh, on
0: I it. didn't know that. Hmm.
1: Yes. No, oh, no, that was a big thing, like, especially, like, amongst gay men. That movie is very popular with gay men because of, like, the very sculpted bat suits with nipples.
0: <laughs> That's a fun fact. That's hilarious.
1: But anyhow, shall we completely change gears and talk about some sad shit now? Like, why do we leave this at the end? I don't know.
0: I know. The Ellie stuff is really rough because
1: mm-hmm.
0: we start off with Peyton telling her dad which she thought her dad already knew that Ellie has a breast cancer. And, you know, he says, no, I didn't know. Which then results in Larry going to see Ellie. And he found out the truth. You know, she does have cancer and that, you know, Peyton should get checked at some point. And only 10% of breast cancers are genetic. And they were talking about the whole thing. Which I looked that up. That is true. Hmm. I thought it was higher. It could be higher than that, too, but it's kind of like an estimate. Anyway, so Larry and Ellie have a conversation about all that, which then basically inspires Larry to encourage Peyton to talk to Ellie and get to know her. I really like that scene. I actually wrote down a quote, exactly what Larry says to Peyton. He says, Ellie has the one thing your mother didn't. She's got fair warning. There's time. Time for no regrets, no wondering. I thought that was pretty powerful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because
0: it's really true, like it's very sad that Ellie has breast cancer and we don't know what's going to happen now, but you know, Peyton has this opportunity to get to know her mother. There's time to do that, so she really should take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. What were your guys' thoughts on the the storyline?
1: The other uh, quote that I really liked was when uh, Peyton comes to Ellie's door, and um, I don't have the exact quote written down. Peyton notes how um, her mom used this particular laundry detergent, and she just loved that smell because it smelled like her mom, and she tried to recreate that smell, and she just couldn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes sometimes she'll find a smell in random moments, but then it's getting harder and harder for her to remember it. And... It just hurts. And now here she is, like, meeting this quote-unquote new mom. And um, she's finding out that, like, Ellie is a lot like her. yeah, And that hurts. And she's like, it kind of hurts the fact that, like, you know, did she get anything from her adopted mom?
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting relationship that she's going to have to walk with Ellie if she does choose to explore that a little bit more. And I love the point that her dad made that Ellie does have time. So, why not take it?
1: Exactly. So, it's heavily implied that they're going to get to know each other now.
2: Yeah, and it's nice that, you know, she came back to Tree Hill, and I did like the point that she made that when she initially got back, she was in remission. So, she was truly just trying to get to know her daughter. Like, this wasn't just her coming back as, like, you know, I'm going to die in three months. I have guilt. I want to know her purely for my own like selfish reasons it seems like she genuinely like went through cancer for the first time probably thought about a lot of things and then said let's see if i can have a relationship with this daughter that you know is out there in the world
1: yeah that was a nice subtle detail to find out Mm -hmm. like oh she's not doing this out of guilt yeah she's doing this because she genuinely wants to get to know the daughter that she gave away 17 years ago right
0: i i don't like that Ellie, she claimed to Peyton that she couldn't draw, and then we see her drawing a really beautiful picture of Peyton in her costume. Yeah, and
1: I feel like I understand why she did that, though. Because she didn't want Peyton to feel any more trauma, figure out, like, oh, you didn't get, like, quote-unquote, anything from your Natsun mother. You actually got everything from me, including artistry. And this, a tendency toward drugs and whatnot. So, I feel like, you know, with Peyton coming to her in such a vulnerable moment like that, I feel like I understand that. And when is Ellie going to be able to reveal the fact that she's an artist?
2: I know, but she's just... They've already started on such rocky footing, and she's already lied about other things, or at least Peyton has assumed that she's lied, that I just feel like, for the sake of the relationship, she should just be truthful. You know, she could have said something like, you know, I actually am artistic as well but you know your your adoptive mother is the one who probably nurtured that and you know introducing you to it at a a young age and like there could be a nurture and a nature side of things so i just i hate lying in general so the fact that she's just going down that path again i'm just like this is screaming to me that it's a recipe for a disaster
1: yeah, I can see that. Yeah, you know what? I can't say that actually because her mother, her mother could have seen like you know a young little five year old Peyton draw something, and she probably said like, "Yo, like Peyton, that's really good. You should pursue this." Mm-hmm. And you know, I feel like that's something they could have touched on. So okay, you know what? I feel like maybe that's my issue with the story. They could have maybe touched on the nature versus nurture aspect of it. Yeah, show that like Peyton did get something from her adoptive mother as well.
0: I like yeah. that angle because. Anna, her adopted mother, like, could have taught her different techniques and styles of art. And, you know, she wouldn't have gotten that naturally from Ellie. Like, that's a learned skill, too. So, she could have gotten a little bit from each of them.
1: Yeah. Payne could have been a very talented artist, but, like, if she didn't have somebody to, like, really, like, uh, support her and... And I feel like that's one of the things, we don't really get to know that much about Anna, her adoptive mother. We don't really get to know, like, what kind of mother she was, other than the fact that she died and Peyton was sad. I'd really like to know more about this relationship, and I feel like that's a little that's kind of a
0: shortcoming there in that regard. I agree. Yeah, we really don't get much at all.
1: But are we ready to move on to some more fun aspects? Yeah.
3: Mm. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Chris Keller returns, baby. He's
0: back. (laughs) Oh, boy. And Nathan wants him to be back. What was the deal with Nathan mysteriously calling someone, which we can assume is Chris? Yes. And he's looking at these photos. Thank you for putting us (laughs) off. Right before he makes the phone call. They actually touched on this in Royal Review. And there's a picture of... Nathan with a, a random girl,
1: yeah. And then it was supposed to be a mystery. So it's supposed
0: I to be, believe. but like that doesn't last very long. And then we we realize that he was calling Chris. We're like, who's this mystery girl?
1: Yeah, and Caitlin's not trying to be cute here. We never find out who's the mystery
2: <laughs> girl at all. I was gonna say it's not a spoiler to say we genuinely don't know who it is, right? <laughs> you know,
0: there is never a just some girl he met kid, yeah. but there's a picture
1: there. Yeah, I that's know. that's it. That is all. Who knows? But yeah, I was definitely trying to be a misdirect to be like, oh, he can't know. It's like, oh my god, Nathan is about to get together with another girl. Oh no.
0: But like, he doesn't actually, like, it's a misdirect, but it doesn't sound like he's actually talking to a girl that he likes. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's so <laughs> serious. Like, there's no way you're talking to a significant other or, you know. It sounded, I don't know, it just sounded mysterious, but not... In a relationship type way. So it makes sense that it was Chris in the end and that Haley shouldn't know because yeah. he wants Chris to help Haley with her music, which I guess makes sense, but also like Chris was the root of all of the drama to begin with. So it's kind of like a little frustrating. But Nathan does admit that he doesn't trust Chris, but he does trust Haley. So that's saying something.
2: Yep.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, one other thing to note, though, um, and Caitlin, I'm only thinking of this right now, and it's only in my memory because we just watched 301 with our Patreon live watch a week ago <laughs> at this point. Um, do you remember the part in 301 when uh, one of Nathan's uh, fellow campers is smelling the letter and he says, you got a letter? And then he smells and he's like, she smells hot. That letter was from Chris.
2: Yep, I noticed
0: that, too.
1: <laughs> because Chris notes in this episode, he's like, oh, did you like the perfume? <laughs> like, I- I'm sometimes sexy like oh that. Oh my god,
0: I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I caught that. I never noticed it until this watch. Like, did you know about it before this, Jenna, or um, what? Um,
2: Let me think. I think I only realized it the last time I watched this episode, because I had watched 103 pretty recently, and, like, the letters were in my mind. So whenever yeah. I watched this episode for... You know, our recording now was when I realized it. But I did pick up on the same thing. I was like, oh, he mentions letters. I guess they were actually from Chris.
0: Hmm. Okay. Chris would do that. <laughs>
2: I know.
1: Which, um, Brie Leach asked this in our, in our Discord, but, like, what uh, what kind of perfume do you think uh, Chris uh, sprayed in the letter? <laughs> I do you think it was do you think it was curious by
2: britney spears? yeah
1: i'm personally a fan of fantasy by britney spears i think it was fantasy we'll, we'll go for that yeah, i don't know my... agree with you
2: yeah i don't know my perfume so we'll go with that <laughs>
1: i love my fantasy and i, I don't know i just kind of love this idea of like chris just having like fantasy by britney spears and just spraying it into an envelope <laughs> amazing but yes, so looks like Chris is going to be working with Haley, and we're going to be seeing more of Nathan and Chris's dynamic.
0: That should be interesting. And they're keeping us a secret from Haley, too.
1: Yeah. Haley can't know that Nathan is essentially like bankrolling this entire collab. So.
0: Collab.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what, yeah. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, before we get into this wonderful, wonderful coda, uh, A quote that is said throughout Dakota is a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, and it reads, No secret can be kept in the civilized world. Society is a mass ball where everyone hides his real character, then reveals it by hiding. Very on the nose. Masquerade party. Got it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It's just that's all it is, really. Yep.
1: I mean, the characters are all sort of like you know hide and in nurture intentions a little bit, so it's you yeah. know there's a there's a metaphorical meaning, but I, I feel like our listeners are intelligent; we don't really have to explain that shit. <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, it's a fitting quote. Yes, but we have a coda to the to the song "Empty Room" by Marjorie Fair, and it gets kicked off in the Scott House. And we're going to do a little dramatic reading. So, Jenna, you're our guest. Who do you, do you want to be the stage directions? Do you want to be Deb or Dan? And gender does not matter. It's a social construct.
2: It is. Um, is. I'll be Dan. Oh, hell oh,
3: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly
2: because I, I, I really want to see you
0: two do this, yeah. so I'm going to be the stage directions.
3: <laughs> I assume. Wait, I get to be Deb? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I
2: uh, Jeremy wants to be Deb, so.
1: Jenna gets calling me a bitch. I'm excited.
0: <laughs> Deb is asleep in her bed. Dan's nowhere to be seen. The phone on her cabinet rings. She sighs, picks it up, presses receive, and holds it to her ear. <sighs> Hello? It's me. Deb doesn't say anything. She waits. I'm sorry, Deb. I never meant for it to come to this. Dan is lying across the couch in his clothes.
2: I mean, we loved each other once, didn't we? I know I loved you.
1: Uh, Dan, what
0: are you doing? I just had to talk to you. Dan finds it harder and harder to hold back a smile. Because I'm waiting for the glue to dry. Deb becomes more alert. She figures it out and pulls up the phone. It's stuck to her face. She yanks it at it harder, struggling to get it off. You
2: super glad the phone? You wanna play with me? Game on, bitch!
0: <laughs> he pulls out an air horn and holds it close to the receiver before pressing the button down. Deb jerks around in bed screaming. She's unable to get the phone off, and the noise practically deafens her. She shakes her head in pain. <laughs> oh my god. How yes? <laughs> The air horn is. Oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> anyway, we are now in Brooke and Haley's room. Haley lays in bed as Brooke enters. Now, who wants to be Haley and who wants to be Brooke?
0: It's up to you, Jen.
2: Oh,
1: okay. Yeah, Jenna, you got you you're your first pick. <laughs> Special guests.
2: Um, I will be Haley.
1: Okay. Do you want, Do you want to be Brooke, Caitlin? and then I'll read the stage interaction <laughs> Sure. This <laughs> is actually pretty rapid fire scene, not much stage the interactions.
2: <laughs> hey, how is the rest of your
0: night? Well, Lucas thought he could make me jealous with that Baywatch bimbo. Two can play at that game.
1: She smiles and turns away. Brooke walks back to her, having put her thins aside.
2: Be careful. His heart's more fragile than you think.
1: Brooke doesn't respond, but she considers it seriously. The camera pans right until Brooke's vacation wall is visible. The picture of herself and Lucas kissing in the middle. And then we're at Lucas's room. Lucas puts a box down in front of the mirror and looks into it. He shakes his head. He puts the feather from Brooke's costume into the open box, which also houses HCM pills. He puts the lid back on and looks into the mirror as we hear the Ralph Waldo Emerson quotes.
0: Which we already talked about. (laughs) Yes.
1: And then we go to Peyton's living room. Who wants to be Papa Peyton? <laughs> Jenna, what do you want to be? Uh, I'll
0: do the
2: stage direction for this one.
1: Okay. Do, do you want to be Papa Peyton? Because we can, uh, we can switch genders for a bit, Caitlin. Sure. Cool beans.
2: Now we're in Peyton's living room. Peyton walks up to her door and opens it. She's holding her wings. Her dad is on the sofa, reading
0: a newspaper, and waiting up for her. Hey.
1: You're still awake?
0: Of course. That's what fathers do. They wait up for their daughters.
2: Peyton laughs and sits next to him. Did you talk to Ellie? Yeah. Good. She looks at him with a smile.
1: But I didn't have to ask who my real father is. I already know.
2: She leans on him and he puts his arm around her. Aww. Aww.
0: They have such good content in this episode. mm mm-hmm. Yep that was a great
1: moment too. we didn't really touch on that too but like that's a thing that uh that larry said to Peyton. she said he said uh oh you could ask ellie a bunch of questions like who your real father is and then the scene cuts away and i kind of like that Peyton just says like i don't need to know anything else about my biological father you're my real dad like you're the one who raised me and that's all i care about yep And this, you know, her biological father isn't coming to her to meet her or anything like that. And so why should she care? You know, that's what she feels at this finite moment in time. So, yeah.
0: For a father who hasn't, wasn't around for all of season two, he's doing a pretty good job now. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Kevin (laughs) Kilner, we love you as Papa Peyton. Seriously. Then we go to Ellie's room, where we learn that Ellie is lying. <laughs> she, sketched a photo, she sketches a photo of Peyton as the angel of death, which we unpacked a little bit.
2: And then we switch to Nathan's room. Nathan is sitting on his bed as he removes the chain with his wedding ring and puts it on the bedside cabinet. He switches the light off.
0: And then finally, we're in Chris's apartment. Chris gazes at a Batman cape and cow on his couch. He smiles mischievously. Dun, dun, dun. Who kissed Haley? Yeah, Ooh. this is kind of
2: gross. <laughs> I know. Who? What a what a wild episode. Uh. So much stuff.
0: That's a twist <laughs> at the end. That's for
1: sure. It is, since we don't know the truth yet, but we will find
2: out, hopefully, at some point.
1: But let's talk about some of our favorite things in this episode. Jenna, what was your favorite quote? So, I've
2: actually said my favorite quote twice already, but it was, his heart's more fragile than you think, what Haley says to Brooke, because it obviously has a double meaning, and I just think it's really sweet and speaks to their really close friendship.
0: Aw, That's really sweet. nice. What was yours, skate I read mine earlier. It was what Larry said to Peyton. I just thought that was like a really sweet moment that Peyton has the time to learn who her mother is and she deserves to do so. What about you?
1: Mine's pretty simple. It's uh, what Haley says. I'm just Haley and that should be enough. And I'm like, hell yeah, Haley, because you know what? You are good enough as you are.
0: I like that. I like that that moment too. (laughs) I'm just Haley. She says it's so sweet. All right, musical moments. My favorite musical moment was "Dance Dance" by Fall Out Boy. I Same. think
2: the song is really fun, and just them <laughs> performing was so energetic. There's a lot of good things happening, including um, the kiss at the end with Batman and Haley. So, love it.
0: Totally agree. Same thoughts. It, it's fun to see a trick scene with a performance, and it's just like the energy's high and it's fun, and yeah.
1: Yeah, it was a fun little montage. I like seeing everybody have fun. Um, but, but I have that as an honorable mention. My favorite moments, though, is Disco Inferno by the Tramps. Oh, really? <laughs> nice. Which plays her in Peyton and Niles' little dance just because it's so much fun. I just love seeing that little cute scene, you know? Yeah, it's a good one.
2: <laughs> that is a good like, one.
1: But what is everybody's rated for the episode? Jenna, fest
2: I rated it four out of five angels of death.
1: Aw, I also give it four out of five fall down boys. That
3: was
0: my backup. I'm glad I didn't use that because I almost said it. Hell yeah. I give it four out of five super glued phones. Nice.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, the episode is great, but I feel like we talked a little bit about some of the short comments here and there. It's uh, but it is a fun episode. I like seeing everybody just let loose have fun at a Halloween party, which is this supposed to be Halloween? Because I know it airs around Halloween, but is it supposed, to, are they supposed to be celebrating Halloween in tree Hill?
2: I think so. It's at least close enough because Dan makes the comment about how he's enjoying the Indian summer, which that's kind of alluding to the fact that it's late summer into fall. So I think it's at least close to Halloween.
0: Cause okay. they're in North Carolina. Because, so summer's yeah. longer.
1: Yeah. True. True. It's, the only thing I have to
2: say—go <laughs> ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that it's still probably going to feel pretty warm come mid to late October there, I would think.
1: Yeah. The, the only thing I have to say to push back against that is that, uh, you know, Halloween's definitely on October 31st, and election is definitely early November. So if Dan post the divorce uh, two months from now for the election— does
0: that, does that mean? Oh my god, you're right. Oh Sorry to like ruin everything. Don't do this.
1: I don't yeah. wanna think
2: about it. Oh, uh, that's a good point. Oh, it kills me. So
1: I'm thinking it's supposed to be early September now at this point. And they just they just wanted to have a random masquerade party in early September, I guess.
2: Oh my god. Yeah, you're probably oh my right. my
1: god is right. Granted, they were probably just, you know, the episode aired on October 26th, they were probably thinking, like, oh, it would be fun to have a Halloween episode. Yeah. They don't actually say Halloween
0: in the episode,
1: I don't think. They, yeah, they don't. Um, but I know, like, I think it's That 70s Show that does this. Like, That 70s Show takes place in, like, it's supposed to take place like, 1977. But yet it takes, but then the series lasts 10 years and they have multiple Christmases and Thanksgivings in those three years. That's funny. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so this isn't even the worst version <laughs> of like Timeline's not out enough. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's funny. <laughs> so anyway, sorry to ruin your life, but you know, I'm... I'm probably going to do that more.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think you are. You're always sharing the little tidbits and (laughs) ruining the timeline (laughs) even more than it's
1: already. (laughs) What can I say? You can always count on me. (laughs) Anyway, Jenna, thank you so much for joining us. And will you join us for the spoiler segment to talk about all the other fun things?
2: Of course, yes. Thank you so much for having me on another episode. And I'm very excited for the spoilers because, like I said... So many things that I like about this episode are the things that it like hints to come later on. So spoilers are going to be great.
1: Oh yes!
0: Thanks, right. Jenna. We love having you on. And I'll be
2: back for season four.
0: I better get an invite. <laughs> of course, definitely. <laughs> Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at gmail.com.
1: I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy.
0: And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and
1: you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps One Hill fans new and old find us.
0: You can also support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod for more information.
1: Now, if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll, we'll be, be seeing, seeing you.
0: Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers.
1: All right, Chad. Sound off. What do you want to talk about? Oh I know, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: it was oh so hard god. not
0: to say her name. I know. <laughs>
1: oh my god! I was like this Pamela Anderson girl, you know.
2: <laughs> uh, I love Rachel so much, and I know we don't really get like Rachel being Rachel in this episode, but it just she's mm-hmm. coming. She's coming in hot in the next episode, and it's going to be great. And there's going to be so much good drama with Brooke and Rachel and Rachel on the cheerleading squad. Oh, I just love all of the things to come.
1: Yeah. So, so yeah, t- yeah. Tell us a little bit about your feelings with Rachel, because like I don't feel like we ever really had you like officially on an episode to like really voice your feelings. True. So i'm assuming you love her uh, yes. we talked enough about her so
2: <laughs> i love rachel i think she's such a great villain i think that they don't do her justice in the show in the later seasons so
1: thank you that's not her uh, like i said yeah
2: the- it's true though i mean season three and season four she is one of the best characters i think she's absolutely hilarious she sparks so much drama there's so many good dynamics between her and the other characters. Um, yeah, I love her. I think she adds so much to the show. So I love all of the storylines that she's in. I love all the episodes. There's so much good stuff to come. Her joining the cheerleading squad, the boy, uh, the fantasy boy draft. The Yeah, there's just so much. Her and Cooper.
1: Oh, my God. I'm, ah, just hearing you say all those storylines, <laughs> it's just going to be so positive. I know, <laughs> yes. I know.
0: And her part in the... The season finale with Cooper?
1: Yep. It was very interesting, to, especially going out of season two, um, where, like, you know, these, like, ancillary characters, these, like, new characters didn't really play a big part. Like, none of them are in the finale for the most part. Well, Andy is, but he leaves during, like, the second half, you know? Yeah. And then to see, like, character a character like Rachel play such a huge part, and you don't know whether or not she lives or not. Yes. Yeah. It was very exciting. I feel like it really like affirmed her that she actually is going to be a part of the show, and she's going to be sticking mm-hmm. around, and she did. Yep. Yeah, she's
2: a fiery redhead,
0: and I love it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she is. The two of you uh, identify with fiery redheads, don't you? Yes, we
0: do. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: I love this.
0: <laughs> Right. And then, what do you think of Rachel, like, just to talk about the whole scope of her story, like, uh-huh. the stuff in season five and then season seven? What were, what were your thoughts about all of that?
2: So, I'll be honest, I haven't watched those seasons in as long a time, but I remember when Brooke makes that call in season five pretty early, and she's like, oh, it's not working out, and she basically, like, lets Rachel go from close Over Bros as a model, And you don't find that out until a bit later. Like, that hurt. And I remember being really curious who that was. And I can't remember if I actually thought if that was Rachel or not. Because she is noticeably absent from the time jump. And then I know there's the whole, like, drug um, storyline. Which, that's the one that I don't remember super well. And then, of course, she comes back. And I was thrilled when she came back. I hate that she came back with Dan. But, like, I was excited to see Rachel.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, that's how I feel, too. Like, it was, when she came back to, you know, she was married Dan, I kind of liked, like, oh, she's coming back as her old villainous yep. self. Like, this is pretty exciting. But then the fact that she just, she's just written off the show entirely. I know. And then we never get an official conclusion. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that Teneal Ackles just was not interested in coming back. And, like, you know, there's politics mm-hmm. behind that. And I completely get that. I completely empower her decisions, like not come back to the show. Absolutely, for sure. But I just hate the the fact that Rachel, as the character, was cut short in that regard. Didn't
2: she only come back in season seven because most of her storylines were going to be with Paul Johansson, and she kind of considered him as a safe person to work with?
1: Yes. Yep. Yeah. Because the person who was you know treating her badly on set. Yep. Like she said, like he would never do that in front of Paul.
0: Yeah, it's wild. It was just. It was left so, and I know we've talked about this, Jeremy. It was just left so open, like we get no conclusion about Rachel, and it kind of hurts to be with a character that long, and it's just done really abruptly. And also, yeah. her friendship with Brooke is like there's no friendship there; like they're done. I know. Yeah, like
1: she stole she stole body from Brooke, and then she leaves town in season five. Ends there's no resolution for their friendship like after that point so they just end the series on bad terms
0: yeah did they have any scenes together in in season seven there is yes, there there's is.
1: one scene and i don't remember what happens yeah i, I agree it. i
0: don't remember either
1: um i feel like i think brooke slaps her unless i'm completely making that
2: up and projecting i do not remember
0: yeah there's definitely a lot of highs and lows with this character but i'm excited for her season three and season four stuff
1: for sure yeah like i said season you know season five and seven that's not her that is neil ackles playing a different character (laughs) who happens to be named rachel that is not my rachel because her character development is just so amazing in season three and four like we see her like you know we see her be like the vixen like you know trying to seduce nathan and everything she's a pretty shitty person and we're gonna we're gonna hold her accountable she's a sociopath in many regards Mm -hmm. um But, like, you know, how she grows and learns, like, by the end of season four, it's so amazing. I really wish we could have seen more of that, Rachel. Same.
2: The other thing I'm really excited about was the glimpse we got into Brooke as a uh, stower, a fashion designer, a future businesswoman of Close Over Bros. Yes, I know. This is one of, that's one of the things in this episode where like, if you don't know what's to come, you're kind of just like, okay, Brooke is doing this. It could be a one-off storyline, but knowing what yep. is to come with Clothes Over Bros, I love that she's designing her costumes and it's like these little hidden Easter eggs of like, oh, this is going to turn into something big. <laughs>
1: And it literally becomes like a big thing over night yeah. too. Like it, it's it's funny. Like binge watch season three and see like how fast <laughs> clothes over bro-, bro-, bro just grows.
0: How she keeps like, refreshing <laughs> the screen and like there's more and more orders. I'm like, how? Would, first off, did she do any promotion? Like was there any? <laughs> was there social was saying, media? Like, like what? There's no way that people would just <laughs> randomly find your clothing store online and there be that many orders. Brooke did not have social
1: media. There was no social media at that point in time. How did she let people know? How did she end up selling 17 dresses?
0: I know. Well, MySpace existed, so maybe she used that. No.
1: <laughs> oh, I guess. I forgot about God, MySpace. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> I don't. She posted a bulletin. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hey everybody! Come check out Close Over bro. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. Um, the other thing that we uh, find out much later on: Chris is the one who kissed Haley, and not Nathan.
0: Yep. And I love the scene when you we find go. out, like Haley realizes <laughs> that you know, it like, was—I know what you're about to say—that <laughs> Haley realizes that it, it was Chris or it was i guess yeah it w- does she know it's chris yeah that she knows it's not yeah, she nathan, knows it's not regardless <laughs> well, th- no, no it had but, to be she uh, knew no, i
1: remember in that episode uh she she overhears that chris like rented a batman costume and then that's what hail so i think she puts two and two together like yeah this is chris yes
2: that's right because she's tipped off to the fact that it possibly wasn't nathan and then they kiss and she's like it wasn't you. We're like, no, it wasn't. She says something like, oh, yeah. no. Oh, you... That was not, that was this not This kiss you. was
0: so much better than that kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the The exact uh, lines of the scene are, um, did she, she, I forgot exactly how she says this line, but she says, did you kiss me? And he's like, of course I did. Then he kisses her. And then she's like, oh, you definitely didn't. It's... That kiss wasn't half as good as this one.
2: That's right.
1: Yep. Yep. But I love you for lying to me. Yep. Let me tell you, teenage Jeremy, <laughs> watch this episode over and over and over again. That's a good one. That like it's I can so pretty good. much like recite it from memory. I'm telling you, when we do the dramatic readings for that episode, I won't need the scripts. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> oh my god. <gosh.
0: laughs> yeah, I know. You already said the one scene back <laughs> in season two or something.
3: Oh, I remember that. I remember that.
0: Verbatim! (laughs) I just love that episode so much. (laughs) And you kept going, and I'm sitting there and like, is this for real? (laughs) They're not reading from a script? What is happening?
1: (laughs) The episode just spoke to me. What can I say? You know? That
0: one is so good.
1: Yeah, that episode is a perfection, and. ugh.
2: So good. I can't
1: wait to get to that.
2: The only other thing regarding spoilers is that this is not the first time, or no, this is not the last time that we will see Fall Out Boy. It wasn't the first time we heard them, but it's also not the last time we're going to hear them or see them, because they come back for a couple yes. more episodes, including um, uh, the one right before the school shooting episode, right? Don't they perform? Yes, they do. Yep.
1: That is correct.
3: That's the one
2: with, like, Andrew, or I guess at the time it was Jack's Mannequin, performing yes. andrew mcmahon uh, from jocks mannequin um yeah so they come back and then peyton starts a little romance
0: oh god and with, then he uh, comes yeah. to the cabin pete went right <laughs> i remember yeah he's standing in the kitchen and yep. brooke sees him and goes yes. up and kisses him because she thinks it's a dream <laughs> yep. like, what the heck is yep. going on <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I
1: gotta say that whole storyline is just so creepy. Pete <laughs> Wentz is, like twenty-seven. So weird. Like Jenna, you didn't hear our uh, our one episode on this, but in three hundred two, when we hear the Fall Out Boy song, I described it as like this is like a jump scare. The Fall Out Boy song coming on.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah. And I felt the jump scare here. I'm like, oh god, we're actually seeing Pete mm-hmm. there. Oh, it's no. coming.
2: I'm it's terrified. coming. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's another thing that, you know, you get a hint of things to come in this episode.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to uh-huh. come. I know. And then, of yeah. course, Dan's
2: run for mayor is a huge storyline. So
1: that, of uh-huh. course, is touched
2: on a lot here, too.
1: Which, I gotta say, just like Brooke, like, there isn't really, like, just like Brooke and her student council presidency, like, Dan doesn't really do much with politics. Yeah. <laughs> Either. no
0: once he's mayor it's like he's just you see him in his office but I don't
1: yeah like he's a figurehead and it's like okay like it's kind of s- scary to have like this lumen presence of Dan like over the town but they don't really do much with it Yeah, like he was more of a threat last season than he is this season I will say
0: and then yeah. season 4 he's so um, wrapped up in who, who knows that he killed Keith mm-hmm. that I feel like that overshadows anything to do with, like, what's going on in the mayor's office. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, uh, yes,
1: exactly. That's his main
0: storyline, is the guilt that he feels.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I feel like that's, like, a big turning point for Dan. Like, he's like, oh, I'm going to try to be a good person now, moving forward. We'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll say. I don't know. It takes a bit. But- <laughs> yeah i gotta say these all these upcoming storylines are just like they're they are killing me like absolutely killing me and i'm sure they're killing you too and they're killing like lots of the audience it sounds like there is a multitude of casualties oh my god that's the title of season three episode five which we only discuss
0: next time (laughs) what are the odds you you could say that Dan has a multitude of casualties. Honestly, I could have leaned
1: into that. Like he does do a lot of murder throughout the show. How many people does he kill in season nine?
2: Oh god, I haven't seen season nine in so long. I do not remember.
1: But he's like running around with like a shotgun and like killing the people who kidnapped Nathan.
0: Yeah, you're right. Like, what the fuck was that show at the point? Yeah, that's wild. That is wild. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> taken from our OTH DVD box sets, the description reads, Red is hot. A redhead named Rachel joins the cheerleaders. She has all the moves, and she puts them on Lucas. Call it Basket Brawl. Fighting breaks out during the season kickoff gala.
1: I'm really disappointed in your reading of Basket Brawl. <laughs> <laughs>
0: What is up with all the like little It was dumb. I just wanna you know, <laughs> say it really fast. Pretend it's not there.
1: <laughs> oh my god. Anyway. Well That was kind of insane, it's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine.